there can be a bit of a perception around charities that people who work in charities aren't those high flyers that are in the private sector in commercial business. Maybe that is true, but I've learned more doing this job and I've had to use my brain and my skills and my experience more in this job than I've ever had to do in any other role. Welcome to the second series of Making the Difference. I'm Kirsty Gilchrist and I'll be talking to leaders and pioneers around the world who have a vision and have a plan as to how to get there. We discuss what drives them and what gets in the way, as well as what they've learned on their journey. So join me as I speak to those who are making the difference. How do you develop a strategy when you're bound by economic restraints? This week, I'm focusing on social care, a sector which is fundamentally broken, but is a vital part of society, caring for our most vulnerable in our communities. Angela Bonamy is the CEO of a social care charity whose remit is to maintain a high quality service, whilst its business model is consistently underfunded. It's a thankless task. Or is it? How does she and her team maintain morale when resources are scarce and are likely to be for a long time in the future? This is a conversation about resilience, dedication and hope. Enjoy. So this week, I would really love to put the spotlight on social care, which is pretty much broken. We're going to be in Scotland and talking to Angela Bonamy, who is CEO of Sense Scotland, one of the beacons of light in this broken system. So, Angela, hello. Hi, Kirsty. Hi. So could you tell me a little about Sense Scotland? Um, how does it work for listeners who don't really understand the social care system? Thank you for having me. A beacon of light, that's a, a nice way to be described. Um, Sense Scotland, uh, we are a Scottish charity and we're a specialised social care provider. We support people with communication support needs and those communication support needs are mainly down to people having a learning disability, having a, a sensory impairment, having a physical disability, or maybe a combination of all three of those things. Um, so most of the people we support have some difficulty in communicating. They may be non-verbal or they may uh, just have difficulty conveying what it is that they're trying to see. The organisation was born out of, of deaf blindness, so it was set up 37 years ago by a, a group of families who had, uh, had had young children who were who were deaf blind uh, due to maternal rubella. Now, congenital deaf blindness isn't such a big thing anymore. Um, however, the organisation has evolved uh, to use its skills and experience in, in dealing with that complexity, uh, to dealing with the, the, the young people and older people, the, the whole spectrum of ages that we do now with those levels of complexity. Social care providers, so we do that, the, the, the social care you know, service delivery that is commissioned by local authorities, but the, the charitable side of the organisation is the added value, the additionality that we bring to people's lives through the use of fundraised income. Um, so that there's the kind of two sides to the organisation, the pure social care delivery, and then the added value additionality that we bring through our, our fundraising. So essentially, you're you're looking for some of the most vulnerable people. Yes, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. And sometimes it can be very difficult to describe 
exactly what it is that we we do and, and who it is that we serve. Um, and that's down to exactly what you said. They can be some of the most vulnerable in our society who... Um, uh, for whom their families, the people who care for them, don't don't know where else to go uh, sometimes, um, and Sense Scotland can can be that place um, that, that 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 is willing to look at what, at what we can what we can do for them. Yeah, so it can be very difficult to categorise, um, and and I, that that's part of the difficulty. And we, we may talk about this more, but around social care is that um, you know we we don't fit into the bracket of um, you know um, older people's residential care. We don't fit into that bracket of um, 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 delayed discharge, so we, we're not around helping with with bed blocking. We're not home care, um, so you know uh, we are about enabling the people that that we support to to live their best lives, to to thrive, you know, to participate in communities, all, all of that kind of stuff. Then that that's really difficult to to describe. Um, but as I say, that can be part of the challenge of social care, actually, is that we are so broad a, 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 as a sector um, that, that, that it, it can be difficult for people to understand exactly what social care is. Yeah, because I'm really fascinated in how you develop a strategy in a, in what, uh, to all sense purposes, is, is a kind of is a broken system. And you clearly must want to make a difference and for you what, what is that what's your personal journey been and, and what difference do you want to make so my personal journey I'm in the very privileged position I guess that I've worked in the private sector and I've worked in the public sector and I'm now working in the third sector and, and I like to think that I've br brought I bring all of those bits of experience to bear um I, I'm I'm often heard to say, and, and I mean it really sincerely, that um, this is the best and the worst job that I've ever had, uh, being chief exec of a social care organisation. It's the best because I get to work with some of the most incredible people um, who are um, values-driven, humble, you know, all, all, all of these types of things and, and and make a huge difference and huge sacrifices every single day of their life. So, uh, and um, I, I get, in doing that work, you know, we get to serve um, some of the most incredible people too. And, and as you described them, Kirsty, some of the most vulnerable people in society and, and the difference that we make to their lives and to the lives of, of their families in turn um, is huge. And so that that's what motivates me is that, um, you know, I think I bring a lot of skills and a lot of experience to a job that's that's very difficult. Um, and I always say that I try my very best every day to make life easier for the, 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 the people who work for us who in turn can then use that to make their lives better for, for the people that, that, that we support. Um, as I say, it is, it is the, the, the best and the worst job that I've ever done. The worst because of all the challenges, I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to that, but the best because of, of, of what we do, the outcomes that we get, uh, the responsiveness that we can bring to bear, that sort of agility where we're not constrained. We, we, we do what we believe is, is the right thing to do and, and the best thing to do. Um, and I have those moments of crisis where I say, this is an impossible job. Someone would do it much better than me. I need to walk away. Um, and people around me, and in particular, my family, will say, 
you know, it, it, it's not you. It is just impossible, <laughs> and 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 no one would be doing it any better because actually, um, you've got in your heart, you know, what 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 is the right thing to be doing? And um, what is it that's making it impossible? Speak to different chief execs in social care, and and they may give you different variations of an answer. Um, fundamentally, um, what um, what makes it uh, difficult and if not impossible is um, the, the, the funding or, or lack of funding to support social care delivery. And in particular, in the third sector, the, the third sector social care delivery is chronically underfunded. And 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 that you know that that that's a, an obvious thing to say, isn't it? Everyone says we don't have enough money. Everyone could always do with more money, um, but that underfunding is it, just reflective of um, the kind of lack of value that, that that's that's placed on what on what we do as an organisation, as a social care provider, as a charitable social care provider. And in turn, that then makes you question, well, what value is placed on the lives of the people who we support? Um, you know, what, what what does this say about um about the society that 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 we're that we're living in? Um but if you were to ask me to 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 give you one word that that kind of sums up the challenges, it unfortunately it would be around funding. And so my understanding, and this is, this is spread across, is is that you're commissioned to effectively in each local authority area, you are commissioned to look after. But the amount of funding for that commission doesn't cover the actual cost of what it what it needs in order for you to make the difference to people. Yeah, that 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 that's pretty much so. There's kind of different strands within this underfunding um idea if you like um so what you've just described yeah we we're commissioned um and you know third sector charity the model is that you break even so we're not out to make a profit you know we're absolutely not one of those you know fat cat organizations um we just want to break even um and the way the way that we're commissioned and the value of those commissioned contracts if you like um doesn't meet our costs um whether that be staff costs overhead costs because we still need to run buildings, you know, heat, light, power, all of those things. And we, and we all know the difficulties around that. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 in, in very broad terms, the, the money that we get doesn't actually cover our costs. Um, and that's where we dip into fundraising money to, in effect, subsidise that, you know, so that we get to that break-even position. We dip into uh, the, the money that we, we've got um, in, our, in our fundraising bank, if you like. Now, the fundraising money, um, we, we want to use that to do the, the charitable stuff that I, I described at the beginning. So the additionality, we want to provide art services, music services, physical activity services, advisory services. So the, the stuff that's added value to the pure care and support. Um, and and that's what that's what we put our fundraised income to. But but what it means is that that fundraised income, we're we're dipping into it to to subsidize um the, the the costs that are not not being met through those contracts. So that's one strand to the underfunding. And then the other strand, and I, I, I don't know if you would class this really as underfunding, but I suppose in, in pure terms it is, is that um the Scottish government sets what's called the adult social care rate um for social care. 
um, and that's an hourly rate um, that is set uh, that providers pay to their support workers, support practitioners, whatever terminology social care providers might use. Um, so at the moment, uh, that hourly rate is set at £10.90 an hour. Um, and, you know, £10.90 an hour, what, what does that mean? That's £21,000 a year. So that means that people working um, in, in my teams providing this really um, sort of uh, really important care and support, huge levels of responsibility, huge levels of regulation, um, they're being paid £21,000 a year. And uh, I'm continually being told um, that people could work in KFC, they could work in Aldi's and, and get more um, for, for doing less in terms of that responsibility. So the underfunding, yes, is in that sort of contractual bit of it, but it's also in these rates that are set because they don't actually reflect um, the, the value of, of the, the work and the importance and the responsibility that, that's associated with the work um, that, that people in Sense Scotland and in other social care providers do. That is reflected across the sector in terms of that recruitment and retention and it's such a valuable job um, that it's such a tricky, tricky thing. And, and just to, 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 you know, to sort of add to that, Kirsty, um, you, you say about recruitment and retention. I mean, without exaggerating, we have some services at the moment in Sense Scotland where we have 40% of our staff are, are, are vacant, you know, um, and, and that's in a service where you have to continue delivering 24-7. Um, but with forty percent vacancy, and and it and it's down to, you know, the 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 pay just isn't attractive enough for people to come and do the the kind of difficult, challenging work that 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 we need them to do. Which then has the knock on effect that those who are covering for that shortage are are, are working more and, and and under under more pressure. Yeah, it does. So listening to you, it sounds. To me, like a nightmare job. <laughs> <laughs> I told you the best and the worst job. <laughs> I know, no, and and it is, and, and actually, this comes the nub of, of why I'm so interested in it. Is you know, what does strategy mean to you, and what does it look like in Sense Scotland? I mean, how do you all keep on going? And given the current cost of living crisis, the funding. I mean, it's going to. I, I assume it's going to take 10 years for um, you know public funding to, to get back up to what it might have been 10 years ago. So, so how do you, what, what is the strategy and how do you keep on going and, and the team going essentially? I mean, do, you, do you have um, kind of pillars that you set your strategy on or how long does it, do you see ahead or, or how does it work for you? We've just developed a new three-year three strategy. I'm saying just developed earlier on this year, so 2023 to 2026. And, and we developed that in the full knowledge that, um, you know, we might get to the end of year one and have to completely change course uh, depending on, on, on what happens, you know, because so much of what we do is influenced externally, so much of it, you know, whether that be through government policy, government decisions on funding, you know, those those types of things, or indeed on how much the, the public are, are willing to fund us as well in terms of that sort of individual giving and, and, and fundraising. So there's, there's a, there are a lot of external factors to play. And 
And the conversation that we had when we were developing our, our new strategy was, you know, why are we even bothering to develop a strategy? Because actually, at the moment, we're in this position where we just sort of try to get through every day, every week, uh, get to the end of the month, look at what, you know, what the accounts are telling us, and then start again. You know, we're constantly on this, you know, just ongoing hamster wheel, that terrible phrase of, let's try and recruit, let's try and get money in, let's try and keep our costs down, but let's try and deliver this really, really good quality care that that, that we do. Um, so we have developed our three-year strategy. It is quite ambitious, um, but it's ambitious um, with a, a, a great big dose of kind of realism and pragmatism in it as well. And the reason that we did develop something that is still ambitious is because I can't lead an organisation and motivate a, a staff team um, when all they're doing is surviving day to day. You know that that's not that's not motivational. Okay, so I, I have to be. I don't have to be motivational, but I, I want to be motivational. And fundamentally, you know what we do is about the people we support, what they want, what they need. And that's always what drives us. So, you know, we, our strategy is about um, improving the lives of the people that we, we support. Um, to do that, it's about improving the lives of the staff who deliver that care and support to make that difference. We are reliant on lots of other people to help us make that difference, decision makers, external influences, but we've kind of built a strategy that's based on more or less the things that we can influence ourselves. Um, and as I say, if we didn't have those ambitions and those ideas and that enthusiasm to, to do stuff, then it would make it a really, really tough job, you know. Um, so it is that balance between aspiration and reality um but but really trying to keep that that aspiration going but not in a deluded way you know not in a way that just says do you know what let's just go for it and if we're going to go down we'll go out with a bang we still are very very prudent you know um but it's about a lot allowing those those frontline staff um, to do the, the best that they possibly can and, you know, to keep delivering that 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 really good service for the people that we support, making that difference, responding to what they need, um, doing, doing that the, the best way that we possibly can. So it sounds like you're using your strategy to become just more human. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you were to look at our strategy and even me talking to you here today, you know, I always feel that I never come away with the right buzzwords. I don't use the right terminology. I don't say stuff that's particularly profound <laughs> or inspiring, you know. Um, but but yeah, like you say, it is just about being being human. It really, really is. Uh, being human, you know, for our for our staff uh, and in turn being human for the people that we support. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why um I mean in my nerdiness about strategies, I'm always really fascinated about how people do different things. And so it sounds like it's a tool, it's not a document that's in your top drawer. And, but it also sounds like it's an ethos. 
as much as you know you're going to have an action plan in which case you do things but your strategy is your ethos yeah i i think that's fair and um you know you're a strategy geek I'm not, you know, if if you came into Sense Scotland, you, you wouldn't see, you know, um, red, amber and green charts on my wall, you know. Pro- I don't want to see that. <laughs> against, <laughs> against strategy. But like you say, it's an ethos. It kind of sends that message that, look, you know, we're we're confident in the future. You know, we're we're making plans for the next few years. You, as our workforce, share that confidence, share that enthusiasm. We'll have your back in in doing all that we can, um, and 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 let's just have that sort of energy within the organisation in our in our day to day working. So yeah, absolutely. And now and again, you know, we we do refer to the strategy, and we uh, we have sort of quarterly meetings that say how are we doing because our strategy is very much um, action orientated as well. You know, so we will do this, we will do that. You know, it it's not about let's see where we get to in in 10 years time you know it's about we will do this stuff in the next couple of years and um, so we have you know we have planning against that and monitoring against that and um, but again all with those very um sort of tangible deliverables against it if you like and so we do that check-in um against all of that but but I, I think and I hadn't thought of it like that but I think you're right it is about setting that tone uh, within the organization yeah yeah, so there's two things I'll take from that, that probably if you look at the strategy that Sense Scotland had 10 years ago, it may well have been a just a document that was, this is what we'll do. And, and often strategies tend to be external facing and, you know, and, and they're just like, look, this is, this is what we're going to do, world. Whereas what's lovely is that it sounds like the, the more difficult it's becoming, the more it's actually a useful tool to work internally and be able to and it's those small actions that make them tangible to say look we're actually we're getting there and we're making a difference each time that we're doing something yeah yeah i i I think that's that you know you're much smarter than me about all all of this stuff and and i think you've just you know sort of summed it up beautifully um and and i i hadn't thought of that and i suppose if you'd said that to me maybe this time last year, I would have thought, well, actually, um, looking internally is wrong. You know, we, we we should be looking more externally. But I, I think you're right, actually, you know, m- more by luck than by judgment. That's where we've ended up. I mean, the, the other bit about our strategy is that, you know, we do consult with our, our families and with the people who we support and with our staff. You know, so it's not that myself and the exec team sit in a room and and dream up a strategy and then there's a big fanfare when it's launched. Um, We do have that very consultative approach. Um, It's written in in very simple language. There certainly isn't any fanfare when it's launched, you know, it's on our website, um, but but it's there because it, it, it just, like we were saying, it just kind of reflects what we're doing uh, and, and what we're looking to deliver. Um, it's it's not going to change the world, but it might change the Sense Scotland world. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that it enables you to communicate with those commissioners, and hopefully, you know, that the, the budget's not going to go up. But it enables you to communicate more about what you're doing and that um, movement ahead. So. I was going to ask about the main barriers, but I think we've, you know, we've 
we've talked about that underfunding and also that you have an external environment that, that you cannot hold. And therefore, what, what essentially you're doing is the thing you do have control of is, is that motivation of, of the staff. What gives you the most energy and fire in the belly? Do you get fire in the belly? <laughs> I do. I, I absolutely do. Um, and it's when... Um, it, it it all kind of roots back to this underfunding thing. I, I, I'm 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 sorry, but I'm not sorry to to keep mentioning that. So, um, you know, when I can make a decision or take an action that is going to make a difference for the person with the the really responsible, challenging job, earning twenty one thousand pounds a year. That's what that's what motivates me absolutely. If I can make that difference to their life, that in turn is going to make the difference to the life of the person supported. That's what makes the difference. Um, so you know, we we have got very limited funds. Um, I meet with my exec team every week. You know, and 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 one of the focuses of those conversations is always. What can we do for our staff, you know? And again, it's back to that point. It would be really easy for us to look at our accounts and say, right, we're projecting a fairly significant deficit for this year. Let's batten down the hatches. Let's start, you know, counting the paper clips um, and, and, you know, not spending another penny. Those aren't the conversations that we have. You know, it's the conversations are, what can we do for everyone at Christmas now? We've got a workforce of a thousand. So whatever that thing is that we do for Christmas becomes a really big cost or a big effort or a big resource, you know. But still that's what that's what we do. That is what we do. Um, because um because that that's what makes the difference to to everybody. So so that's what gives me the fire in my belly. I, I know my limitations, so I know. I couldn't do the work um, that our support practitioners do. You know, I, I absolutely couldn't. But what I can do is use my 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 skills and my experience to make their lives easier, what, whatever that that might be. Whether that be through a system or a process or a change to the environment that they're working in, or to trying to put a wee bit more money into their pockets. So that that's that's absolutely what drives me because I know by taking that approach and making that difference to staff that that then feeds into that service that's being delivered, which is already a very good service. But if if people feel valued in what they're doing, then that 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 just raises that up again. Absolutely. It's quite interesting because when I talk to different people and it's like we've got this big vision over here and that's where we're striving to get to and listening to you you've got the same vision but actually here and now which is making a difference to those people and success looks like making a difference to each of those people and as I say there are times that I beat myself up because I'm I'm not that person that's got the big vision over there and who's absolutely driven by that you know I, I am much more kind of I suppose tactical might might be the word you know tactical practical pragmatic those kinds of words but you're absolutely right that that is what is needed to get to where you want to be you know in in three years time and actually 
if if we don't if we don't operate and behave the way that we are just now, and and this applies for for a, a lot of third sector social care organisations, there won't be those organisations into the future. So what's the point in me having some sort of grand plan, you know, if ultimately we wouldn't we wouldn't survive until that point, you know? I completely agree with you, and I think that's really fascinating. So what top three things would you advise any leader if they truly want to make a difference? So not in any order of priority, but just the, the, the top three things. Um, surround yourself with good people. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, at, at, at that senior level. And, and down to that very, very frontline delivery. Um, within Sense Scotland, we have people who have really good values. Um, and those values are very often what, what take us through, you know. And, um, you know, I, I've mentioned about, you know, the kind of the, the low pay and, and, and those types of things. And, and that is a huge barrier. But when you get people with those really good values, um, then, you know, you, you can achieve um, so really good people in terms of values and also in terms of that, you know, sort of that that competence. Um, you know, there, there can be a, a, a bit of a perception around charities that people who work in charities aren't those high flyers that are in the private sector and in, in commercial business. And maybe maybe that is true. Um, but, um, you know, I, I've learned more doing this job and I've had to use my brain and my skills and my experience more in this job than I've ever had to do in, in any other role. Um, so surrounding yourself by good people, yeah, there's the kind of values aspect of it and the morals and and, and the vocational side of things. But there's also um, don't be afraid to surround yourself by good people in terms of that those those skills and and competence and professionalism. Um, because for example, if I didn't have a really good finance director behind me, then you know again we wouldn't be able to do all that we do. So um, so it's it's good people in that in that broadest sense that you absolutely and don't be afraid to, you know, as I say, that there can be this kind of feeling within the charity sector that um, you know, it all needs to be, you know, sort of warm and cozy. And and there's also that that kind of perception that the charity sector is just about Posting along and and have you know I've got friends who say to me well it must be lovely working in the charity sector you know um, so don't be afraid to 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 take that kind of um, business approach behind the scenes because you you need that again to to survive and to operate effectively you know so so surrounding yourself with good people uh, both in in terms of you know sort of morals and values but also that that skills and and, and competence that would be definitely one of the things um, the other thing is be true to yourself. Um, and I, I suppose that comes back to all that we've been talking about, Kirsty. You know, so um, I, I can sleep at night, you know, because I I I, I know that I'm doing the best that I possibly can, you know, uh, and I know that decisions that I take, even if they're unpopular, I, I, I can justify them. I've got a good rationale for things you know um so i think being true to yourself and having that sort of honesty around everything is really really important because if you can demonstrate that you're doing 
the best that you can with what you have and that what you're doing is is well considered and and thought through, then I think that gets you a lot a, a long way, you know. Um, and uh, you know, for for me, um, it, the people that we support being at the heart of, of those decisions uh, and and everything that I do um, is really important. Um, and then the final thing, and and this is a very personal thing, and this is something that I'm not good at doing is, is being kind to yourself you know and um and that comes back to that that where we started you know which is it's the best job in the world it's, it's the worst job in the world it's the most difficult job in the world that I've ever done um so now and again I have to give myself permission to give myself a break you know um and it's not it's not easy it's not easy to do it, it, it is easier to to take th everything on yourself and to think that things would be better if if someone else was doing them um but you do need to to cut yourself a bit of slack and just recognize how difficult it, it really is I think that's a really good point and particularly in a role as chief executive where I think just by the very nature, people just assume that you get on with it and can do it, but it's quite an isolating role. I think so. And I think, you know, there's there's a bit as well within that being kind to yourself about being able and willing to show your vulnerability. Um, I, th I think that is important because too often, you know, chief execs will say, you know, or, or believe that they always have to be the strong, positive person who's got, all of the answers, who isn't affected by anything, doesn't let things get to them, you know. Um, and and that, that is very rarely the case. Um, so while you you still have to be that 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 strong leader, um, it doesn't do you any harm every now and again just to show that bit of vulnerability because again, that's where where people say, all oh, right, so she feels the same as me, or oh, that's how I'm feeling. You know, she's summed up how I'm feeling perfectly. You know, and that that again um, buys you that that bit of credit, doesn't it? You know, um, well, and you're being human, and you're being human, exactly right. But yeah, you're right. There we are. It all fits together nicely. It's back. You you said about the the human strategy. It's embodying that, isn't it? It's living and breathing that, yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. And last question, how can we as listeners, or how can listeners, help you to make a difference? I suppose um, through all that I've said, just getting that greater understanding of what social care is, what the challenges are, what the challenges are in particular in the, the, the charitable or, or third sector social care organisation and using any opportunity that, that you, you can, whether that be at local level, whether it be at national level, whether it be through the formality of elections, I, I, I don't know, but but just to, to, to make it clear to those people who are the decision makers that, that I'm beholden to that this is unacceptable. Yeah, I think it's really interesting and, and hopefully for listeners, it's a bit of an eye opener because it's, you know, people talk about social care and it's just this kind of bleh over there. <laughs> and you know, it's, a, you know, it looks after people or whatever, but I don't think people really understand actually what the challenges are and, and which you've so eloquently put before. So I really hope that um, listeners can help in that way. And um 
it's been brilliant to talk this through with you. And like I say, I, I couldn't do your job and my hat. I take off many hats for you. <laughs> um, and it's been absolutely brilliant talking through strategy as well. And I love it. I love the fact that, you know, it's, it's very human and, and how you're talking about it. So thank you and and can I just say thank you as well because I am um, you know I I am my worst critic and actually th talking this through with you and you responding the way that you have has given me uh, a, a kind of reassurance that we're on the right track and 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 doing the right things you know so so that this has been very much two-way because you look at things differently from I do um, I am, but actually all the things that you've said have been really really helpful and, and made me look at this slightly differently too so so thank you. Good well pleasure <laughs> well good luck uh, with everything and I will, I will be following you um, and following since Scotland and, and seeing how you're getting on and um, do you take care Thank you. You too, Kirsty. Thanks so much for the, the opportunity and the lovely chat. Thank you for listening to Making the Difference. Please like and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts and tune in next week for another episode of Making the Difference. If you have any thoughts, comments or questions, please find me on Instagram, links in the show notes, and please also subscribe and review. Thank you for listening to Making the Difference.